This is Rob Long with Martini Shot for The Ankler. Anything you want to know about a television or a film production or about the entertainment business in general is right there on the call sheet somewhere. The call sheet is a daily rundown put out by the directing team, the director and the first assistant director and the second assistant director that lists on one long legal-ish size sheet who is doing what and when the following day on the set, which scenes and which pages are going to be filmed, when everyone is supposed to show up for work, where the food is going to be and when, which special props and costumes are needed, where the nearest hospital is, and which producers are actually producers, and which ones are just collecting a fee for doing nothing, or as they probably prefer to put it, for setting up the project, which often just entailed making one single phone call. But I'm getting off track. The call sheet does all of that and more. It also lets everyone know when the whole thing needs to wrap, what time everyone is required by union and government rules to go tools down and head home. There are complicated regulations around this, known as turnaround, that essentially require that no one works insane hours, multiple days in a row, and when you go over, you pay a penalty. And when you go over too much, crew members are instructed by their union leaders to just walk away. Rap times are serious business. So next to the various departments and often the players' names, there will be a call time, hence the term call sheet, and a rap time. And next to the names of any actors who are kids, there's often a symbol, a pumpkin icon, because kids have shorter work days and these are considered inviolate. So when it says the kids turn into pumpkins, they mean it. No penalties, no grace period. You just don't argue with the pumpkin icon. I thought of this a few years ago when I read an interview in the New York Times with Meg Ryan, the charming and deft actress in so many of the biggest romantic comedies ever, like You've Got Mail and When Harry Met Sally. I don't mean this in a snarky way, asked the interviewer, but was the separation from Hollywood mutual? It's not a snarky question, Meg Ryan answered. It's fair. I think the feeling with Hollywood was mutual. I felt done when they felt done, probably. In other words, at some point she looked down at her personal, private call sheet and saw the pumpkin icon. Time to go. Of course, she may change her mind in the next few years, and I certainly hope she does. I loved watching her on screen, but there's a real power and shrewdness to knowing when it's time to put a pumpkin next to your name and, you know, just just go do something else. I remember years ago having lunch with an older writer, uh, older than me at that point, I mean, not older as an old, because he was younger then than I am now, but he told me with a shrug that he was going to do something else for a while. I guess he just saw a pumpkin icon on his call sheet, and that was that. But what happens, I asked, if you want to come back? Because at that time, I couldn't imagine not doing this for a living, not writing scripts and shooting pilots and being with everyone else who was writing scripts and shooting pilots. Well, he said, if I want to come back to the business, I'll just... I guess I'll just have to write my way back in. Which, actually, he did, as I recall, a few years later. So maybe the act of calling rap on your career, even if it's just for a short time, even if you change your mind later, maybe just doing it yourself, like you're your own first AD, is the important thing. We spend so much time getting buffeted and nudged and elbowed into and out of place in this business, all of us, actors, writers, everyone, crew, all of us checking the call sheet every night to find out where we have to be and when and when we have to leave and where we're going to get our coffee or go to the bathroom, that it's probably a good, healthy exercise for all of us to call a personal rap before someone else puts the pumpkin next to our names. Yeah, it's the smart and healthy thing to do. 
which is probably why I'll never do it. A career in show business has three distinct phases, a time when everyone in charge looks just really old to you, and a time when everyone looks really young, and in between there's a really alarming span of time when everyone in charge looks just about your age. But there are periods where you're working all the time and slower periods where you think, is this is this the way it is now? I walked into a writer's room years ago and a veteran comedy writer pulled me aside and said, here's the deal. I will laugh at whatever you pitch, you laugh at whatever I pitch, and we'll both be home by seven. Now, writers often make these kinds of secret deals with each other. Whenever I meet with a younger writer, I always offer to help out in any way. Let me know if there's anything I can do, I say. Let me know anyone I can call, whatever I can do, I want to do, I always say. And then they thank me and I say without smiling, don't thank me. You are my retirement plan. And then they laugh uncomfortably and I say again, you are my retirement plan. Meaning, if you are successful and I've helped you, you will let me work one day a week on whatever show you've got going and I will arrive probably 45 minutes late and eat my free lunch, but that is how the debt will be paid. It's a pretty good system, actually. Younger writers get a break and older writers don't have to wonder for, you know, for whom the pumpkin tolls, I guess. I was once having lunch with a well-known journalist in New York City, not because I'm important, but because he and I are old college friends. And when leaving the swanky midtown restaurant, I ran into the then president of a large TV network. She recognized my friend first, of course, and then her eyes went to me and the recognition hit her. And so after I made the introductions, she turned to me and said, so are you, are you still, are you, are you here now? And I said, no, 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 I'm not here. I mean, I'm still there. I'm there. I'm just here now. I'm not here now. I'm here now. Which, of course, doesn't make any sense to anyone but me and her. So as we were leaving the restaurant, I had to explain to my friend, who, despite being a very smart person, doesn't understand the language of show business, what she was asking, I explained, was, am I in New York now? Am I still in the business? Or am I in New York? New York being a metaphor, a euphemism for done for pumpkin time. And I explained that I had said, no, 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 I'm still there, meaning still in Los Angeles, still trying to get a show on the air, but I'm here in New York now. I'm not here. I'm here now. I don't get it, he said. So I explained again, you can live here and be there, if you understand what I mean. But the subtext of her question was, how can you be in New York when I've canceled you three times? You can't possibly have enough money to retire at your age. So where are you, here or there? All that, my friend asked, for, from four words, are you here now? Yeah, I said, but it depends on whether you emphasize the here or the now, which goes for everything, actually, when you think about it. Now, I have, of course, thought about whether I'm there, whether I'm still there swinging away about how many stories I have left to tell and how many things are rattling around inside me and waiting to be written into script form. Most writers I know have little things and ideas scribbled into notebooks or clipped into text files or torn from the newspaper and stuffed into a shoebox. I read in the paper a few days ago, I think, about a guy who had been autistic all his life. Married with children, a stable family that had simply grown around his autism, like roots of a tree around a concrete sidewalk, I guess. And then he went and had experimental brain magnet treatment. There's a complicated term for it, but that's the gist. And his autism was essentially cured. He could 
suddenly connect with people better. He could suddenly feel new things. And the result was his marriage collapsed. I mean, I, I clipped that because some things are just interesting. Some things you read, you think, hmm, that's interesting. I'm, I'm still there. I'm not, I'm not here now. That could be a really interesting and weirdly funny story to tell. The trick in this business, maybe every business, but I only know this one, is timing the exit, timing the pumpkin. People who have been doing this as long or longer, if possible, than I have often feel like the business is pushing them out, like they're too old in the way. And that's, I guess that's possible, of course. But it's looking at it the wrong way around. It's seeing the pumpkin too soon. If you're a writer in show business, and maybe this goes for a lot of other things too, but (laughs) wow, my life experience is really limited to just that. You're done only when you're out of ideas. You're done when you no longer clip things out of the paper or write little things down in a notebook. When you no longer think to yourself, that could be an interesting story to tell. You're not done when you think they're kicking you out. You're done when you find yourself asking, wait, what's popular? What do they want? Instead of, so the guy's wife left him because he wasn't autistic anymore? What's her story? I have a good friend who is a firm believer in the French exit. Some people call this the Irish exit. doesn't matter. It's the same exit. You're at a party. And when it's time to leave, you just leave. You don't circle around and say your goodbyes. You don't promise to call this or that person and set up lunch. You don't thank the host or hostess. You're going to send them a note anyway tomorrow. You just walk out. You're there. And then you're here now. And I'm, I'm not there yet. I once had dinner. Well, I once bought dinner for a show business friend who was in serious financial trouble, almost totally broke, had sold everything he could sell, was in dire, dire straits. So, you know, I asked him, what are your plans? And he was totally confident. My plan is, he said, to come up with a simple product that everyone needs. And boom, back on top which of course is insane, and I told him so. I mean, he didn't ask for my advice, but I was paying, so I gave it to him anyway. What you need to do, I said, is get down to reality and get a job and stop daydreaming, which, you know, honestly, he did. And now I think he's reasonably happy and living in a place where nice houses are routinely bought and sold for perfectly rational sums. It was a high-wire act there for a bit, but he navigated a very successful pumpkin exit from show business. But I thought about him this week when a writer I know told me what he was working on. It sounded great. It was smart and funny and riveting. And if I was tasked with buying television show pitches, I'd have bought it on the spot. And in a very rare writer-to-writer supportive impulse, I told him exactly that. Thanks, but no one's going to buy this from me, he said. I told him he was crazy. It's a great story. It's the kind of thing that everybody says they're looking for. But this kind of material isn't really what I've been doing, he said. People think of me in a certain way. I don't think, I said, people think about you? In that way, he asked. No, no, I don't think people think about you. I'm sorry, I guess I said that wrong with an upward inflection. Sorry, no. I don't think anyone thinks about you at all. You're not really part of anyone's conversation, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't seen your name on any lists or anything. And I I, I get it, he said. Now, look, there was probably a nicer way to say that. (laughs) Okay, there was definitely a nicer way to say that. But I have a limited amount of writer-to-writer kindness in me, and I told him I liked his idea, so I was out of that. But what my friend doesn't understand is that there is a liberation in being, temporarily anyway, invisible. There's a real benefit to being a writer with a great idea and a low-to-non-existent profile. You can just write yourself back into the business, back onto lists, back into the endless is-that-person-available conversation with one 
Simple, easy move. Just write a great script. Just be dazzling on the page. Just, in other words, come up with a simple product that everybody needs. And boom, back on top. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than that. Writing is hard and painful, and even people who are good at it aren't really that good at it. You can't just sit down and have your fingers dance across the keyboard as you laugh and shout merrily at your own brilliance. That kind of thing only happens to writers in movies, and even then only in movies made by Nancy Myers. What I told my friend was this, and you know it's good advice because I personally don't follow it. Stop asking for permission. Stop thinking that they don't think of you in a certain way or you have a certain kind of profile or no one will let you. People in the entertainment business and probably people in every business and every office across the globe spend most of their time worrying and fretting about themselves, about their own limitations, about what they're not allowed to do. The amount of time left to think about anything else when you factor in lunch orders and how to look busy when you're surfing the Internet and childcare, I guess, the time left is almost immeasurably small. But look at my IMDb profile, my writer friend said. Look at what it says about me. What it says about you, I said, is that for the past 15 years, you've paid your bills on time. Which is all it really can say about you, right? So my advice to my broke friend was, get realistic and live within your limitations. And my advice to my writer friend was, Keep swinging for the fence and go for it. And if this doesn't strike you as contradictory or nonsensical, you either are or should be in show business. But also, you should stay in show business because you have a while to go before you see that pumpkin on the call sheet. And that's it for this week. Next week, we will enjoy someone else's better show for The Ankler, This is Rob Long with Martini Shot.